Hopefully I can uh, share some thoughts with you tonight that will be beneficial to you. Preaching is a peculiar thing. I don't know sometimes what you envision when you think about, you know, preachers and uh, as they prepare. And, you know, you may have these ideas that, you know, they've been sitting in a room by candlelight all day and just, you know, meditating and, you know, uh, pouring over the scriptures and, you know, crying out to the Lord and, and maybe it's that way for a lot of them, but uh, it's not really that way, is it, Brother McNeil? We study, but life has a way of just, you know, distracting you and getting in the way of things. And sometimes you have to change gears so quickly mentally from the time you pull in the parking lot or maybe even from the time you step up into the pulpit to try to get yourself in a spiritual mind. You know, especially when our kids were much younger. You've got, you know, you got four kids and they're under, uh, you know, maybe under eight years old and you're trying to get all them ready for church and it's just one thing and then this and then that and you just feel like you know you're about to pull your hair out then you got to come in here and get in the spirit and worship the lord (laughs) just it's hard sometimes so we were a little bit late because right before we were coming in to get ready for church we had a cut finger and we're having to tend to a cut finger and I'm looking at the clock and looking at the finger and looking back at the clock and, you know, trying to get here on time. And it just sometimes is hard to switch gears and just to get in the spiritual frame of mind because things do pop up. But uh, sorry for being late, uh, but pray for me because I had to switch gears pretty quick coming in. And so hopefully the Lord can continue to bless. But I wanted to talk to you tonight on the subject of gifts. Maybe not quite like you are anticipating when you hear that word about gifts, but, you know, we come through the Christmas season and gifts are, uh, you know, seem to kind of dominate the thought there. Uh, I got gifts for everybody. What kind of gifts am I going to get? We're always given different types of gifts. And maybe that's why this has been on my mind. I don't know. seems like it was before Christmas. So uh, maybe in the preparation for it, uh, that was something I was thinking about. But if you think about gifts, you know, you know, taking something and, and transferring the possession of it to somebody else, there's a lot of you know, different reasons that we do that. Uh, and the Bible speaks to some of those very clearly. Sometimes, uh, and most of the time, most of the time when you're giving somebody a gift, you know, it's all great and there's no motive there and, you know, we're just happy people. Uh, but the Bible talks about, you know, to the danger sometimes of receiving a gift because there are times that one of the reasons people may give you a gift is to try to bribe you or to sway you. Uh, in Proverbs, the 18th chapter says, uh, a man's gift maketh room for him. Uh, we also read in Deuteronomy and in Exodus where it talks about um, the Lord is telling his people to, it say, he says, receive no gift because a gift blinds the eyes of the wise. And so the point there is, Sometimes a man may come and, and offer you a gift, and the simple reason he's given that, you that gift is to maybe blind your eyes to what is really going on or to, um, uh, you know, he is trying to, to give you something so he can win favor with you, so he can get an advantage or a leg up. You know, we see that sometimes. You probably see it a lot in politics. Um, you know, there are times where, uh, you know, there have been, you know, people in politics getting a lot of trouble for giving or receiving a gift, it seems, which I don't know if it's this way now, but you know, a lot of times in college, college athletes, a lot of times they would receive an under the table gift to, uh, you know, for a particular university, you know, the Bible says a man's gift maketh room for him and they're trying to make room for somebody to come into their program. So they slide a little gift and the next thing you know, it's like, hey, this college has given me $50,000, which I, I think that's kind of gone away. I'm not sure. I know there's some 
uh, different rule changes. But you have to be careful sometimes with a gift. But typically, uh, we're giving gifts for good reason. Sometimes we may give a gift out of obligation. You know, you, uh, we've done that before, especially, especially when it comes to uh, the times when somebody is graduating. Uh, you'll get, uh, and, you know, and I'm, I guess I am picking fun at it because it is kind of silly. But you'll get, you know, you'll get graduation invitations, and and we've gotten some before, and I'm like, I asked Tina, I was like, who in the world is this? And it's like, well, that's my second cousin's, you know, sister's step-in-law, mother-brother. And you're like, what? And it's, it's, it is 100%, hey, I'm graduating. Somewhere on my tree, where you're hanging on this limb, and I'm, but you get, send me some money, right? Uh, and so sometimes we may give, and everybody does it, you know, you know, I, when I was, you know, uh, graduating high school, you know, I was, I was I'm going to send a graduation to everybody, invitation to anybody I've ever met, you know, I'm just going to get all I can get out of it. So sometimes we send it out of obligation, sometimes it's to bribe somebody, sometimes we give gifts to celebrate. Uh, I think about when the wise men came to, to see the Christ child, they did not come empty-handed. You know, they came and they brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They brought gifts to give to him and really to his parents to honor him and to celebrate uh, what was taking place that night. So, uh, you know, that's another reason we give gifts. Also, uh, and I will say this is probably the majority of the time, we give gifts because we uh, love each other. And because, you know, maybe uh, as a token of appreciation of, hey, I, you know, you've, you've done, you know, you've gone above and beyond for me and you helped me when you didn't have to help me and you may give a gift. But, you know, sometimes we just, uh, <clears throat> you know, if you stop by and you, you buy something for your wife and she didn't really need it, you just want to give her something out of the goodness of your heart or for your children. Uh, you know, we just do, we give things to each other because we love each other. And to me, the best, the best gifts that I've ever received usually fell under one of two categories. One was the gifts that are very meaningful to me. For example, I can remember uh, when I graduated um, dental school, my dad gave me his 16-gauge shotgun that he bought with his own money when he was a kid. And, and, you know, growing up, it was just always a very special thing, you know, that, uh, that he still had that gun, and then he gave that to me, and it's not something I use. Uh, you could use it, but I don't ever shoot it, never use it. It sits in my closet, and from time to time, I'll pick it up and look at it. But it just had a, a, a meaningfulness to it that, that just kind of moves you. I love those types of gifts, you know. Um, and I've gotten, uh, you know, another gift that somebody gave me that, that meant a lot to me, and, and and I, I don't remember the guy's name. I don't remember the city I was in. I don't even remember the church I was at. But I'd gone to preach a meeting, and it was somewhere in Tennessee, but it's been several years ago. And uh, after the service, um, there was a man there that you could clearly, um, clearly see that, you know, he was not near as financially well off as some of the other people there just by the way he dressed, maybe his, um, you know, just his, his appearance, his hygiene, you know, he, he just, he stood out. And I thought about the verse we talked about a while back, a couple of Wednesday nights ago about being a respective person, you know, and uh, mentioned that if the Lord came in, uh, he probably is going to find the, you know, the poorest, most needy looking person in the congregation to commune with. Uh, and that would have been this man. And, uh, and he was also um, a little different, just socially, the, you know, talking to him. 
Um, but he came up to me afterwards, uh, the service, and he was, um, you know, he was talking to me a little bit, and he you know, had tears in his eyes. And apparently the Spirit of the Lord uh, really blessed him that day. And he reached into his pocket, and he said, I really don't have anything I, that I can give you just, you know, just to thank you for coming. But he reached into his pocket, and he pulled out a little pocket knife, you know, just an old, you know, I, I hate to use the word junkie, but it just wasn't a very good knife. But it was his knife. And he wanted me to have it. And I keep it, uh, I still have it, keep it uh, close to my Bible where I keep my Bible all the time. And, you know, that's something I'll never use. I've got jillions of knives and uh, uh, knives that I love a lot more than that one. But that one was just special because it meant something to me. Um, but also, I like gifts that are, uh, that are useful. Something that somebody gives me that I can use. Going back to the meaningful, uh, it's kind of interesting um, when speaking of knives, I got both of my boys, you know, we like to do a lot of uh, squirrel hunting and with our dog and, and we're getting, you know, getting them into that. And, and we have a lot of fun doing that. And, and I've got a particular knife that I use to uh, clean my squirrels with. And so they just I have always liked that knife. And so I thought, you know what, I'm going to get each of them. I'm going to get them their own knife, just like the one that I've got. And I'm going to have their name engraved on it. And I'm going to put love dad. And so I gave them both that knife and, you know, talked to them and said, you know, uh, one of these days when I'm long dead and gone, that I hope that you can take this knife and just remember our times together, just kind of a token. Uh, and so that's something that's meaningful and useful. And it's also something that'll make you late for church, right? Because <laughs> we were cleaning some squirrels and it got away from us a little bit. So, uh, but but I, that, that type of gift is special to me. Uh, something that, that can be useful, something that is meaningful. Well, in Ephesians, the fourth chapter, uh, my point is to say this, that when we think of giving gifts to one another and the love that we put into doing that, I want you to turn your minds for just a second and think about that the spirit in which we do those things is, in a sense, a spirit that mirrors a spirit that God has because the Lord Himself, God Almighty, is a gift giver. Now, he doesn't give us gifts to bribe us. He does not give us gifts out of obligation like we do, but he does give us gifts that are very meaningful and very useful to us. Ephesians, the fourth chapter in verse eight, it says, wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive. And what did he do? And he gave gifts unto men. So, the whole purpose that I wanted to draw out of that verse is that the Lord is a gift giver. That's something that we can all relate to. He is a giver of gifts. Now, in Luke, the 11th chapter, you don't have to flip over there, but I'll flip over there to you. You know, some people are good gift givers and some people are not uh, as good of gift givers. I think about she's not here tonight. I don't think Miss Becky Simpson is hands down 100 percent top level gift giver that I've ever met. I mean, you can't walk by her without, hey, here's something. I got you something. So thoughtful. And, and uh, she is an incredible gift giver. And I, I'm, not, I'm not as good of a gift giver. I wish I was better at that. Uh, you probably wish I was better at that too, right? Because I'll probably be giving them to y'all. But she's an incredible gift giver. But even the best gift givers I know are, are, cannot outgive and are not as good at doing it as the Lord is. In Luke, the 11th chapter, we read a, a story here, it's a parable, and it says, If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a, a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he for a fish give him a serpent? 
Or if he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? So even as a father, you know, and, and you, I mean, you understand what the man's saying here. When, when a child comes up and says, hey, Dad, can I have, I'm hungry, can I have a piece of bread? You're not going to hand him a stone. Because there's a fatherly love there that says, man, if you're hungry and you're flesh of my flesh and bone of my bone, if you are hungry, I'm going to give you something, hopefully that you can enjoy, that's going to sustain you, that it's going to give you energy. And I'm a corrupt fallen being and even I can bring myself to do that. Well, if I as an evil corrupt being can do that, how much more is the Lord good at giving gifts to his people? Right. So one of the interesting things I want to uh, mention before we go a little deeper here, one of the things that makes the gifts of the Lord so special is that the gifts the Lord gives cannot be obtained in any other way unless he gives them. Now, if you if I did, I, I gave those those knives, I gave those to my boys. Right. It's a it's a buck knife model 112. If you want one, you can go get it there. You can get them online. You can go to the store and buy. Them. It's something that you can obtain for yourself. Now, I gave them to my boys. But if you want one, you can go get one. I can give gifts to my wife. I can give gifts to my girls. I can go buy a tractor and give it to Brother Jim. If you want a tractor, you can go get it. But the gifts that the Lord gives cannot be obtained in any other way. Now, in Acts, the eighth chapter, I want to start reading about, well, that'd be too much for us to read, but go back sometime and read, starting about verse five in Acts, the eighth chapter. And I will read just a little bit here. It says, Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them, and the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, came out of many that were possessed with them, and many taken with palsies that were lame and were healed. And there was great joy in that city, but there was a certain man called Simon, which before time in the same city used sorcery and bewitch or, or, or trickery to bewitch the people of Samaria, giving out that himself was some great one, to whom they all have heed from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the great power of God. And to, him that, and to them they had regard, because that of long time he had bewitched them with sorceries. But, but when they believed Philip, preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the, name, and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Then Simon himself believed also, and when he was baptized, he continued with Philip. So here's a man that, in, and, I, and I don't fully understand it, I just know what the Bible tells us, with some sort of sorcery, trickery. I don't, I don't know exactly how he was doing it, but he was very convincing. Well, that's no big deal. You can go down and watch some magicians, you know, f you know, make a tiger disappear over here and appear over here. You can do all kind of stuff and trick the minds of people. But this, pe this man, Simon, had a great following. And when Philip and some of the other people come along, it says they began to see miracles, which he did. Unclean spirits came out with a loud voice. People that were possessed, people that were taken with palsies and lame were healed. Well, all of a sudden, Simon, who at one point, they said this man is the great power of God. All of a sudden, they're seeing the true 
power of God being done by these disciples. And not only are a great multitude of them converted, Philip, I mean, Simon himself is baptized and continues to follow them. Now, that would have been a hard transition for Simon, clearly, because you see how he acts here a little bit later. And it says, verse 14, Now when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John, who when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. For as yet he was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then laid their... Then laid they their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. And when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me also this power, that on whomsoever I lay hands on hands he may receive the Holy Ghost. But Peter said unto him, Thy money perish with thee, because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. Now, you can go out and buy the knife that I gave my boys, but you cannot go out and buy the gifts that the Lord gives. Now, I think a great example of that, and I, I really don't, I, I, I don't mean this in a critical, ugly way, but it's, it, is a, it is a truth that a modern day example of this is the Bible talks about that the call to preach is a gift. Now, it's it's certainly not the only gift, but the call to preach is something that the Lord gives a man and burdens his heart to want to proclaim the things of the Lord. Well, there are men standing in pulpits all across America that have never been given the gift to preach, but they like the idea of it. And I understand why they might like the idea of it because there are preachers out there that, you know, there's a place that we went to church for a time where a preacher was full-time. He had a house allowance. He had incredible insurance. He was making, aside from those things, he was making, I want to say, about $150,000 a year. He had it written up in his contract with the church when they hired him that he did not have to go visit in the hospital. And he, I mean, he had a pretty good gig. For $150,000 a year plus great insurance and plus a housing allowance, he was making a better living than most, most of the people in that church. And he didn't really ever stand up and do a whole lot of preaching. But he went to a seminary and he tried to buy the gift of preaching. But it doesn't work that way. And you can see all across America to compensate for the lack of preaching, we substitute entertainment. That's a whole other sermon for another day, but I can't feed you enough spiritually to keep you here, but maybe I can keep you laughing. Maybe I can keep your kids having enough fun that you'll be satisfied starving to death. Now, there's a lot of truth in that, and it's happening all over the place. But what happened? They tried to purchase the gift of God with money. Well, yeah, you can go down to a college, a seminary. You can pay them all the money they're asking for. They'll give you a degree, and you take that degree, a degree to a church, and they'll hire you as their preacher. But that doesn't mean you've got the gift of God and the call to preach. Now, the Bible says, and we read in Ephesians, the fourth chapter, that he led captivity captive, and he gave gifts unto men. You can read about some of these if you want to. You can flip over to 1 Corinthians and the 12th chapter and the 14th chapter. And there's, there's way too much here for me to want to read, have time to read it. But when the Lord, you know, Christmas time, right? Christmas time 
just past us. And the gifts that Tiffany and I wanted to give to our children, you know, we thought about those. And uh, I, I like what Brother Tim does um, over here when he gives the gifts to the children. And, you know, and he said, you know, he actually thinks about those. You know, he doesn't go in there and walk into a toy store uh, and say, all right, I need so many boys gifts, so many girls gifts, just bring something up here. He thinks about them. Have you ever noticed um, on the Sundays that um, our graduates are recognized, one of the things that Brother Tim always says, he always uh, buys them a gift, and he either has, um, and I want to say one year it was pocket, this, I don't know, the title of the sermon ought to be a, a, lot of, a lot of talk about knives. But I think that he gave pocket knives. And he said he put on those knives to the boys a scripture that reminded him of that person. They weren't just blanket. And, and maybe the girls, I don't know what the girls got, maybe a, a necklace or bracelet, but he had some scripture with each gift that reminded him uh, of that particular graduate. And that's putting some thought into it. And I like that. When we sit down and we want to give gifts to our children, I think about, you know, you know why I didn't give my girls a buck knife model 112 with their names engraved on it? Because they don't care anything about that, right? If you do, we'll talk. I don't think they care. They don't want to go out and clean squirrels. But the boys are, hey, you got a squirrel? Let's go clean it. They didn't want that. I tried to think of things that would be meaningful and useful to them specifically, and that's exactly what the Lord did. I'm thinking of my people. I'm thinking of my established church. I ascended up on high. I led captivity captive. I gave gifts unto men. What is the purpose of the Lord giving gifts unto men? The main purpose of that is so we could thrive in the church age. So the church could thrive. So we could thrive as a local body banded together. He gives gifts unto men. What are those gifts? Read 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians uh, 14. The Bible talks about uh, gifts of preaching. The Bible talks about gifts of teaching. The Bible talks about gifts of faith, knowledge, wisdom. You can read through there and you can find examples of gifts of mercy. And listen, we don't all have the same gifts. And it's by design. There are people... You know, one of the mistakes that I think we make as human beings, or at least I make sometimes, is I get in my, in a, in a, my prideful, my stinking prideful self gets this idea that everybody ought to think and do things exactly like I do them. And we all suffer from that a little bit, like, well, I can't believe they're doing that that way. Well, guess what? We don't all think alike. We do not all process information alike because a man that the Lord has gifted with the gift of wisdom is going to look at a situation differently than somebody that doesn't have that gift uh, as, as, a, and, and gra as great of a measure as this man does. They're going to think differently. They're going to operate differently. You think about, the Bible talks about the gift of knowledge. You know, I think, when I think about that, I think about Brother Neil. I mean, is there anybody that knows any more than Brother Neil? He has, and I love, love, love talking to Brother Neil. I don't do a whole lot of talking. I'm afraid to, you know. I can remember one time we were talking, and I probably shouldn't tell this story, but I thought it was hilarious. But we were talking, I believe it was about sharks. And I can't remember who it was, but we were 
they looked up something about a shark on Wikipedia and, and said, well, it says this about this shark because that was our conversation. And Neil was like, no, I, that's, that's not, you know, it's actually this. You know, and I told him, I said, you need to go to Nilopedia because <laughs> Neil knows what he's talking about. I've never seen, I mean, he has such a mind for knowledge. Do you think he just was born that way? I think God gifted him, gifted him that way. Gifted him with, as the Bible says, the gift of knowledge, a brain that can operate and handle tons. I can't remember anything, but he has a brain to operate and remember so much. We need that. But we don't need a church full of people who only have the gift of knowledge. We'd be fighting all the time about sharks. Right? We would. But then on the other hand, you think of a person... You know, I think about um, I think about Uncle Ball, Brother Furman, as as most of us know him. Or you know, he's my great uncle. When I think about him, if you've ever sat down and talked with him about church, the 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 you know the function of the church, the you know the structure of the church, you know church peace, he has a a level of wisdom when it comes to things and matters of the church that most of us do not have. And one of it, yes, is because he's had so many years in it and experience. But I think that the Lord has blessed him with a gift of wisdom because we need that here. But we don't all need to have that level of wisdom and nobody have a measure of knowledge. I've seen people that have such a great gift of faith that when the rest of us have bailed and said, this is not going to work out, they're the anchor that's holding saying, no, we've got to continue to walk by faith. You got to have that. You have got to have people in a body that have been blessed and, and gifted by God to have, a, to, have a, to have eyes to see where mercy is needed. I think about just in my own, uh, my own marriage, and those, uh, you know, Tiffany and I, we have a different view of a situation sometimes where I can clearly see that she is looking at that situation and there's something that is tugging on the, the strings of her mercy. Whereas I don't necessarily feel that as much. It's because God has gifted her in a special way. And we have those people in this church. You know, there are people in this church that are great and gifted encouragers. I've got, I've probably, I don't know, it's, it's a good many, but I could stand up here and, and probably like I'm doing tonight and preach the absolute worst sermon that has ever been preached on the planet or any planet. I'm talking about bomb. Want to crawl out the door in shame and never come back. And I've got a handful of people that I would bet everything that I own when I get done, they're going to come up and encourage me. Why is that? Now, they, they might be lying to my face. I don't think they are. I think God has gifted them with a vision to see things and to pull things out and to have a burden to go encourage people. And I'm thankful for those people because Brother Tim, Brother McNeil, any of you guys that ever sit up here and preach will tell you there's times you want to crawl out the door and think there's no way that the Lord blessed any of that. And usually... That's when you get the most sincere, heartfelt encouragement, or it has been in my case. McNeil, when you get up here and you, you actually think you laid it out fairly well, usually those are flops. 
You know, because the Lord has proven to me time and time again, you bring the loaves and the fishes and let me do the rest. Uh, so when my efforts are the smallest, he seems to work the most. But my point is this. When the Lord looks at his church, he sees it as a body and he gives gifts to that body that complement one another and strengthen one another and put us in a position where we can thrive together as a local body. He gave us gifts to be able to do that. Do you think that I come up here and I stand up? And Do you think the burden that I feel to, to study and to stand up and preach is something that I generated in and of myself? Absolutely not. Yeah, the burden to preach is exactly that. It's a burden. I have to make sure that I'm setting, setting time aside on a regular basis to not just sit down and read, but to sit down and to study. And the Bible says that much study is a weariness of the flesh. I'm not interested in taking on a bunch of stuff that make me weary anymore. I want to, you know, Paul talks about living a quiet, peaceable life. And, 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 you know, hey, I'm all about that. Let's live a quiet and peaceable life. But to preach requires effort and study. And do you think that I took that on because I just thought it'd be a good idea? No, it's because if I don't, I'll sit over there and I'll end up pacing the floor and wringing my hands about to die to, to speak to God's people. That's the same thing that Jeremiah said. Jeremiah said, listen, every time, and I'm paraphrasing, but every time I go preach, they hate me. Every time I go out, Lord, and I speak your name, I find myself with people trying to kill me. They're after me. It is never received well. Nobody is ever encouraging me. Nobody ever says, keep it up, Jeremiah. Keep going. They hate me because of it. And Jeremiah tells the Lord, he says, I'm not going to do it anymore. And he says, but then the fire burns in my chest. And he basically says, I would rather suffer at the hands of men for preaching than to bottle it up and not let it out. That's because God said, you know what? My people need preachers. So I'm going to gift men to do that. But he also said, my people need wisdom. And I'm going to gift people to do that. My people need examples and people to lead in mercy. I'm going to gift people to do that. My people need teachers. Listen, some of the best Teachers that uh, that I believe the Lord has gifted are the mothers like the, the vast majority of my children's spiritual teaching comes from her, Tiffany, because I'm working all day long. Right. And so the Lord looks and says, hey, we've got daddies that are off working. We got mamas that are here with these children. We've got to get, I'm gifting people to be able to teach. Now, listen, you can be gifted in a lot of different ways. Don't misunderstand that. It's not like you get one gift and oh, I've got wisdom, but that's all I've got. You know, the Lord gives us, gifts us in many ways, but all of those gifts and read through and the Bible says, even the ones that are the most feeble, even the ones that seem to be the most flashy and most unimportant, the Bible says, are necessary. I mean, you can't, you can't kind of you know, arch your back up and be like, well, I don't have the gift of preaching, so I'm not that important. The preacher is the one that gets to stand up there and have everybody look at it. Well, come try it sometime. It's not, it's not necessarily all it's cracked up to be, having all these people look at you, you know. Because the most feeble gifts are important and necessary. And that tells me this.
that if the preacher gets up to preach, the man of wisdom is sharing, the teachers are teaching, the mercies are being merciful, the encouragers are encouraging, but the person that has the Lord has blessed and gift with faith just says, I'm just going to kind of give up on that. Or maybe I'm just not going to be a part of this local body very much. Then we suffer. And we will not thrive as much if we do not see the gifts that the Lord has given us as being very useful, but also very meaningful. Like sometimes when when I sit around, you know, the, the, I guess the, the dichotomy between the flesh Luke and the spiritual Luke is the flesh Luke says, I don't, I mean, I know I got to preach this week. I've got, I would really rather go do something else for two hours than to sit down and try to come up with, you know, with something to preach. That's, you know, that's, that's the flesh, you know, and you're, you're the same way. I'd really rather... I'd really rather just go do this than to go visit this person. But again, when we act on those gifts, when I say, you know what, I'm going to study and preach and forsake whatever my flesh wants to go do, I benefit and you benefit. When the person who's got the mind of thinking about those that are needy and those that need mercy they could say, I'd rather go do this than go visit that person in the hospital or call them or do this. But, and that's just the flesh talking. But when you put that flesh aside and you go over there, you benefit and that person benefits. But when we don't realize that we're not just people, we're not just warm bodies, every one of God's children has been given a gift. And that gift is given so that we could thrive as a local body. Whatever your gift may be, Here's, here's the newsflash. Whatever your gift may be, and if you don't know what, what, how the Lord has blessed you and gifted you, ask those around you that know you the best because they can probably see it from a mile away. Whatever your gift is and how the Lord has gifted you, in order for us to function like the Lord intended us to function, you've got to embrace that and exercise it. And when we do that, you see that the full body works together because that's what the Lord describes us, at, us as in 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, that we are a body. The feet are just as important as the hands are just as important as the eyes. And maybe there's a part, you know, maybe you think about your little fingernail, your pinky fingernail. What good is a little pinky fingernail? It's just something I've got to cut periodically. Well, the Bible says it's important. And so the most feeble of all our gifts is still important. So let me close here with that. I want you to think to yourself, if you come in church and your mentality is this, I'm going to come in, I'm going to sit down, I'm going to listen to preaching, sing a few songs, I'm going to get up, I'm going to leave. That's not a gift. You get that? The Lord did not say that your gift is to be a pew potato, I guess, instead of a couch potato. That's pretty good. I don't know if anybody's ever used that before. Your gift is not to be a pew potato. Your gift is to be actively engaging and spreading and ministering with whatever gifts the Lord has given you. And I am so thankful. The times that, you know, the times that Uncle Ball gets me after church or before church, and he'll spend five or ten minutes just talking to me. 
He is spewing out the gift of wisdom. And I am so thankful that he does because it blesses me. When the encouragers come encouraging, I'm so thankful that they do that and they don't neglect that gift because that's what Paul tells Timothy. Don't neglect the gift that is in you. I'm glad those encouragers do that. When I'm sick and I'm not feeling good or I've had a bad day, and somebody just, in, in the name of mercy and for love's sake, they check on me, they reach out to me. I'm thankful that they do that. You see, we're all connected and we're, you know, we're all dependent on each other's gifts. So don't neglect them. The Lord is a gift giver. He gives gifts that are useful. He gives gifts that are meaningful. And if we don't neglect them, we'll thrive as a body. And I hope that that's been profitable to you. And if there's one or more here who would like to become a part of this church, we'll give you that opportunity now.